This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, anyways, welcome <laughs> and welcome to Torah Anytime um, and uh, all the other souls that uh, you know that are blessed in our in our in area. Okay, so tonight, Bezalat Hashem, we'll speak about reincarnation. Reincarnation, there is, um, before we have to actually get there, we have to speak a little bit about to understand, you know, what the soul is and, and what happens after a person dies. The, if you ever, unfortunately I had to be in this situation where you actually see a person's soul leave his body, like you see a person die, and you can ask anybody who had, um, who, you know, who has, who has been experienced in this, in this area, they see, like, the body, and the body is breathing, and they can see the person's still alive, and he's there, or she's there, and then suddenly they die, you know, they flatline, they die, and the, the soul leaves them, and they, you can look, you ask all of them, they say, like, the person, it's not the same person. It's not, they could tell that it's not the person. Like the person, the second that he stopped breathing, all of a sudden there's something changed about it. Like they look the same. I mean, they might turn a little colder and they might turn a little, you know, uh, blue maybe and, you know, lose the color, but there's, but there's something, there's something not there. And the answer is because the soul, the soul is the essence of the person. It's not the body. It's, it's, it's rather, it's the soul. Now, why I think that this topic is so important is uh, because it answers so many of life's questions. Some people, you know, want to know, like, uh, it answers how come you're in a certain family? How come you're born a certain way? How come you you're look like this and you don't look like this? How come this girl is pretty and, and her sister is, is so ugly? And how come she is skinny and she, the other one is fat? It, it brings so much information that answers all, all these questions. And, and you, know, you should know that it's not always genes. You ever you could see it again and again where you have these, um, these this family or the parents, you know, both both, you know, look like gorillas. And they produce, you know, this gem beautiful model style thing. And you're like, how is that even possible? You know, so many times. And then you see two beautiful, you know, the husband and a wife. They're gorgeous and they produce an ape. You know, and you're like, well, how, you know, how is that possible? So it's not always, you know, genetics. Um, even though sometimes it does have a strong role in it, but it, it's not, it doesn't mean always at the same time. Yeah. Or, or even like, you know, something that, you know, unfortunately also happens when, when you have two people like, Intelligent, everything you know, everything going for them, and then they have a child, and you know, special needs. Child. Right, 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 yeah. right, exactly. And you know, they could have no history of it in the family, right, and exactly. they could have no, yeah. So there's always like things that just you know, and and there's also like um, you know, the, also in, in regards to the genes, like some you know, some people they'll eat a pie of pizza and they'll lose weight somehow, you know. And then there's somebody who just looks at the pizza and they gain ten pounds, you know. They just smell the sushi, and and all of a sudden it goes straight to the hips. So um, you know, it, there, there's so many questions. Be like, why? Why, why is that person like this and why is this person like that? Why is this family, you know, born with so much money? This person is, you know, doesn't have to work a day in his life. You know, his 18th birthday, he got a Ferrari and a yacht that he could park in the, you know, in the yacht, he could park the Ferrari. And the other, the other people are struggling to make ends meet. So it makes, it makes no sense. So the, the idea behind, uh, reincarnation that answers a lot of, a lot of questions. So, but before we get into that, I want to give a little introduction of what happens after a person dies. So, and, and this is obviously according to the Torah, and, and later we're going to bring in uh, some sources on, on uh, science. So, number one is when a person dies, the first one, as the soul leaves the body, the soul sort of hovers above the body. And you might actually have some sort of, you know, yeah. So, so the soul hovers, uh, um, you know, above the body, and it looks down at the body, and it could see everything that's going on. And there's many cases where people, let's say, died on or had a near-death experience, and they died temporarily on the table, on the operating table. They were able to see from above, and they were able to see what the surgeons were doing, what the nurse was saying, you know, and they were able to describe it after they came back to life exactly what happened. Um, so what happens is that they actually they, they actually see what's going on. 
and they could see the, in the funeral they actually also see it. They see the family crying. They hear the eulogies. They hear everything. And for for once, you know, once they get put in the grave and the dirt starts going on top of them, it sort of clouds their vision a little bit. But they're still very much there. And for seven days, they're they're between the grave and the shiva the shiva house. So they're you know they're running, racing back and forth. And it's a very confused and hard time for the body because and the soul. I'm sorry because the soul wants to go back into the body. It doesn't understand. You know, it's very difficult. It's a, it's a very confused state and it's a very painful process. Process. So. Once, once the, once, let's say the, the, the body's buried. So then there's a process before we even go into the next world. There's a process that happens in the grave. It's called Hibuta Keva. Um, I wonder what it's translated in English as. Uh, maybe the, the punishment of the grave, maybe? Or something like that? What they do is, is that, um, so, so in general, if let's say somebody, somebody lives their life and they sin, so there's a capitalistic term called a klipa. Klipa is like a shell. So when a person, when a person dies, they say that kabbalistically what they do is, is they actually, they actually, and, and it's, and it's questionable if it's actually done, you know, you know, in practice and, and how, you know, if you put video cameras, can you actually see it? Most likely not, but when they, when they say it happens in a spiritual sense, they deepen the grave and there are certain angels that come and they grab the person by all four parts and they start shaking it violently until, uh, to sort of basically sort of break the klipa, break the shell to sort of a release, release the, release the soul. I'm sorry, release the shell. So you can compare it to imagine uh, you have a blanket and you want to shake off the dust. So you, you shake it. If it's really dust, you have to shake it a lot. And it's very, very painful for the, for the soul that, that, that's inside there. And uh, this is one of the painful processes that has to go in the beginning. And before, even before we talk about you know, reincarnation, uh, hell, heaven, this, this happens. Now, the issue that uh, you know, people always want to say is like, okay, how do we avoid that? If it's so painful, can we avoid it? So number one is people that are generally not involved in the, into the physical world so much. If they're just focused on the spirituality. They, they indulge only in what's, you know, what's allowed, not in the, in the, in the, in the you know, prohibited pleasures. So these people are more distance away from this physical world. When it comes to time that they die, it's like, it's like nothing. If it goes not painful, it's very, very easy for them to, to remove it. However, people that are very, very involved in the, you know, in, in all the desires and they're always feeding their desires and they're always doing all these things, they sort of, they sort of, uh, um, you know, it, it becomes so, the, the klipa comes so strong that it becomes so difficult to break apart and who knows how long, how many times and beatings they have to go through just to release it. So, but there is some, and you can, by the way, you can look, you can see if, uh, you know, if when you were in Israel, you, um, if you ever visit any of the, any of the big Adolim, any of the big, you know, Tzadikim of the generation, you see how they live. Look at their houses. You know, they have millions of dollars going through their hands, but they're, like, living simple. There's, like, you know, a fan in the corner, you know, there's a wooden table, you know, they're sitting on a wooden sheet, you know, it's like, everything is, like, so basic. And I guarantee you, like, people would be, were willing to pay millions of dollars to renovate the entire thing from bottom to, to top. You know, people are willing to, they fly, if they need to fly these rabbis, they fly them on private jets. The money's not a problem for these, for these rabbis, but yet they don't want it. They said, no, 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 this is just fine, I want it just the way it is. Don't give me anything fancy. So they live, they live this world knowing the real truth, saying that this is just for the next, not for, not for really now. Now, there is some things that you can do to uh, avoid this, this, uh, you know, this chibutak uh, hevel. Number one is, first of all, if somebody who lives in the land of Israel and he dies on the fifth hour of Friday, which means very close to Shabbat. So that the power of Shabbat, the power of living in the land of Israel, sort of, uh, you know, there's no chibutak hevel, there's no of this painful thing, and they go straight, the, the soul comes straight out. However, let's say somebody lives in America or whatever it is. So what can they do? So there's a few things that the, um, that they can do. Is number one is to give charity. They have to give a lot of, uh, you know, charity, be, be uh, you know, also with chesed, do acts of, acts of kindness. Also, they have to love to listen to rebuke. 
um, they, you know, there are people, this is very important because we were speaking about it earlier, like let's say there's people that, um, that there's two, cl- there's two classes you have options. Number one is a guy who's going to say funny stories and is going to, you know, make it, it's entertaining, it's going to be, a, and then there's another guy who's just going to like, just rebuke you from like the moment you walk in to the moment you walk out, you'll be like, you know, so it depends on the person. Some people will be like, I can't deal with that. I need to go to the funny stuff, you know, and, and some people can't handle it. But the people who love, you know, the certain people who love rebuke, you know, tell me, tell me what I need to do, tell me how to, where I need to go to so I can make myself better. Those types of people who love rebuke, which means that they're, they're going to listen to the rebuke, and not only are they going to listen to it, they're going to make themselves better from it. Those are the type of people that, um, that also survive. They don't have to go through this uh, suffering of chibut uh, ha Another one are people who welcome their guests into their home. And also people that, um, who pray with intent, who pray with kavanah. Now this, you know, for, let's say for the Baal Shuba people, um, in the beginning, when they're starting to learn how to read, and, and it's just, it's, so they learn it with, they, they say with a lot of concentration because it's very, you know, it's new to them. But then once you get used to it, all of a sudden, you know, you come to a point where you're like, you're davening, and you get to a place where you like, I don't even know how I got here. I was like, what? I'm up to here already? Oh, yeah, I'm almost done. You know, you don't even realize where you're going, so you sort of lose that. But it's somebody who is constantly going going and praying with concentration and saying every word the way it's supposed to also has the ability to, to all these people also have the ability to get their the um, this, this uh, you know less, uh, less painful and, and easier and uh, the, the, the way that the body is the body is sort of very much intact and with the soul in, like in, in, uh, in connection until the body completely decomposes so it takes about 12 months for it to decompose you know including the worms eating it and, 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 it's, and it's good that's why people should you know they're not supposed to be buried in like a steel you know, you know or mahogany would, you know, it's very difficult. There are people that want to be buried in the most comfortable, you know, uh, um, what's it called, caskets. Like for what? You know, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a bad back when you wake up. What, 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 what do you need comfort for at that point? But and the idea is, is that no, the opposite. You're supposed to have it as close to the ground as possible. And in Israel, they don't even put a, a coffin. They just put you straight in the ground. Over here, even though they put a coffin, they or a, or a casket, they have a slit in the bottom so that the worms could come in. Because it's you want it to be disintegrated as fast as possible. Because it's very painful for the body the longer you stretch it out. I have a question. Yeah. So, but like, isn't there this idea that when Mashiach comes? You know, the souls are going to come back into their bodies. Yeah. So, but if the body's disintegrated... It would regenerate. Regenerate. Everything regenerates. It already happened once. And there's a, there's a story in, in Tanakh where the, there was like a, there, was a, there was a regeneration. There was a, it's called the Valley of Bones. And they actually came back to life. The ligaments grew, the flesh grew, and everything comes back. It comes back and you become a, you know... There are certain righteous people that they don't disintegrate. One of the reasons they don't disintegrate is because they, they were so holy that they use their body only for good. There's nothing that they need to be disintegrated. It's just, it was just pure holiness. The, otherwise, it's part of the kapara, part of the atonement of the disintegration. It's part of the, also the, in, if you ever realize, if we say that it takes about 12 months for disintegrate, that's also the time when they say kaddish for the parent. It's, it's uh, it, you know, it's all related. Um, but this is also a problem where people, uh, let's say they want to be cremated. You know, that's very, it's very unhealthy for, for, for healthy. It's very, it's very troublesome. For for the for the soul. Okay, so it, it actually says also that um, the this what happens in the grave can be even more painful than Gehenna than hell. So it's something that people do want to get rid of it and to, do want to, if possible, to uh, you know avoid it as possible. And it's through those those criteria. And uh, so now this that's what happens in the grave. Now what happens once you once you finish once you go out? So it says first of all. 
there is one thing called kafakela. Kafakela is sort of like a, in limbo stage. You could uh, translate this as the slingshot. Uh, literally, like, you know, you're slinging the soul up to the heavens. But the, the problem where this is an issue is this is where souls sort of get stuck in an in-between stage. They're not in, they're not in this world, so they're dead already. They're not in the next world, though. They're not in heaven, they're not in hell, they're not anywhere else. They're sort of just like spirits, like floating spirits. These are the souls that can uh, possess people. These are the souls that can cause all these types of damages and ghosts or whatever. These are the souls that are in this type of state. This type of state, the Kapakela, is the most like painful. It is worse than hell because it's not. It's sort of they're, they're stuck for, here for a certain amount of period of time until that. These souls are people that let's say got did so many bad sins and without lack and chuba that they can't even go to hell unless they get first like rid of something over here. So they could go for for you know if you read in the. There is uh, the Minchas Yehuda brings in Rabbi Huda of Taya brings down and he has stories on, on these things. He says a lot of these stories result in people let's say they commit adultery with a married woman. They're stuck in this sort of in this sort of area for it, it, you know it could be a hundred years. You know, it can be a ridiculous amount of longer time. And there was one particular story that I remember that he, you know, he sinned with, an, an, with a married woman a hundred times. And then this person had to go and be, for every time he was there, he had to be one year in this, in this, uh, you know, in this, in this area. And it's not like you get to float around and be like, you know, chilled out, you know, like, okay, let's go check Paris out. You, you're like a, you're being constantly attacked and chased by these like mazikim or like demon, demonic beings that are out there to torture you. And it's not like, okay, you know, it's big, you know, nine to five, <laughs> good work day, I'll see you tomorrow morning at nine. It's like a constant thing, it's a constant torture, that is, there's no rest, there's no rest, and that's why when they want, they try to, you know, uh, possess somebody, because that's when the demons can hurt them, the mazikim rather can hurt them, so they find sort of respite in there, so that's why they try to do that, in any case, it's a very, very unhappy place to be, and no one wants to be there. They could possess just anyone? No, 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 they have to get permission, and it has to be because of certain areas, nowadays there's no really, you know, the Chavetz Chaim said that the last possession happens already, and there's, no, there's not going to be any more until Mashiach comes, um, but uh, there was definitely, you know, they, they have to have, get permission, and certain people... So Who would give them permission to they're, they're, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting because when you read it, it's, uh, when you read, if you want to get more information, this is Minchas Yehuda, and, uh, he, he has a whole book and they actually translate in English. I strongly recommend, if you're interested in this stuff, strongly recommend you read it. Chapter 88. It's more like, not like permission, it's sort of like the, when you do, when, when that person who you possess or thing that you possess, um, does something wrong, that's not like permission, it's sort of like, Yes. Opening for them. Yeah, they, exactly. They have an opening. It, it's not like they get, they get, a, they get. A, okay, you go possess. They're not allowed to go possess other people. It's not. But yeah, but rather what they do is when they do a certain sin, the other person they're able to go in. And not only that, it's the the damagers want them to come out. They want, they don't want them inside because they can't do their job when they're inside. So that's they, not. It's it's not. So, so hence they're prolonging their own agony, essentially. Yeah. Unless what happens is, is if, they, if for example, in the olden days when you had big rabbis, they were able to do tikkunim. They were able to actually go and help them. Um, you know, it's very painful for them, but they would say certain terms and you could see them suffering in the body. This, the body's like twisting and turning and screaming and that, and uh, it actually, it sort of cleanses their, it speeds up the process. And that is one of the reasons why nowadays they say that they don't have it, because we don't have that level of people that are experienced in this, uh, you know, I, won't, I don't want to call it science, but... Right. No, it's, it's definitely a... a, a, a um a knowledge. Yeah. So who's to say that they're not still possessing? Maybe we just don't have the knowledge to take them out. We would know if they'll be possessed, unless it's something called an ibur, which is something else, which we'll talk about probably. But possessions itself, there are stories and and scenarios where where they could be inside that person for years and no one would even know. But um, generally, we would say, you know. If you're saying all that changes our ability to to prevent to to, to sort of give them ticket, well, it would prevent the mice of nothing changed. 
there's still you, people are still doing chaton, people are still allowing themselves to be um, uh, susceptible to right. forces. It's it's you know you ever hear of the turn of the Hashem brings the refuah before the makkah. Yeah. If there's no refuah here, then there's no makkah. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea is not that it's not like because we're so bad, so we're not going to get hit. But the idea is more like there's nothing that can be done and gained from it, so therefore it's not. So therefore it's less than. That's 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 at least the, what I the way I understand it. The Chavetz Chaim said that that was the last one. I don't know even if he gave a reason why. He just said this was to be the, the last one. In the time of the Chavetz Chaim, there was a story that there was a dibuk, there was a possession, in there. And there's a Hopefully one day I want to do a whole class on, on possessions. Um, I have I have like so much stuff on it, so much information and. and over who? Clippers and, and, who, and who, who, who banished them? Oh, really? I never heard of that. So I have to, I have to look, because I gave a class recently about that. They know, yeah, that, yes, that, yes, but they're, they're still around. Yeah, but they can no longer affect us. And, right, as they can no longer inhabit human form. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna look at that up. I'm gonna definitely look that up. Thank you. Um, okay, so that was the kafa That was one. The other option after a person dies is the hell option, which is nobody wants to go there. Then there is the heaven option, which everyone wants to go there. And then with what we're talking about is reincarnation. Now there's reincarnation where somebody dies and then they come back into life. And then there's something called ibor, which is more like an uh, impregnation, where you sort of like piggyback on a soul. So someone's alive. And they, they don't know this. It's not like a possession, but there's another soul that sort of piggybacks on them. And it's sort of like to help them, motivate them. And it could be a soul of a grand, you know, it just helps them. Yeah, the souls are not uniform, you know? You're not necessarily, you have a part of a soul. Right, that's yeah. too. Yeah, like, that, that, that's how marriage. Comes, but what? Like marriage. Yeah, so, so that's why I said people have like, like that's how every soul has sort of like a kesha to the, to the, to the, to, to, to the Hashem and the Shkizah Kovic. Is on some level you have like a, there's some people have souls of Moshe. There's certain souls that, yeah. that derivatives like you have. Yeah. It's it's not a concept that we understand. Really. No, no, it's very hard to understand because and not only that is that when it's not like when somebody gets into ibar they're all of a sudden going to be like you know they'll feel it and be like you know and they could talk like another person and be like they have constant two voices they don't even realize that it's there they just have sometimes this extra power extra strength extra ability to do things that um, that you know that that could help them. It's usually it, it can happen also when people let's say associate with a big tzaddik and and they they. Do or or a grandfather but that was very particular. Like conception, like when you, per, when you when you get your initial neshama. No, no, no. It can happen afterwards. And Eber is something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How does that happen exactly? Because your neshama so, sort of comes down when you when you're sort of like. Right. So the way that it works is, is that if. You know, like, you know, right. So the way that uh, the way that uh, the way that it occurs is is usually there's some sort of connection with the Eber. It's not the Eber is the impregnation. It's usually some sort of connection. If it's let's say an, an ancestor, it could be related to them very closely. Let's say the ancestor was very particular about. A certain mitzvah, and so were you very particular about a certain mitzvah. So you you connect on that level, and then they could come and they help you, uh, you know, on that uh, on that part. The shark. It could be it could be for years. It could be temporary. uh, The the Arizal speaks about it at length. uh, The the whole Iber concept. concept Yeah. So sort of like it's it's in a way lahavul. It's a way of like healthy soul possession. Yeah. 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 It could help you. It could yeah. It can give you the extra strength that you might not have, you know, that to do it without you, without the, without that. Yeah. It's it's it speaks about a length in Shargogulun, if you want to. Yeah. So uh, okay, but now that was the introduction. So now let's let's go to um, the, the idea behind what science says. Now um, the, the science. So there's ways to prove in science. You know, there there is observational proof where you actually you take you take one color of paint and you take another color of paint. You mix the colors together and hence it produces another third color. And you could see that and that's very easily proven. Then there's another way to prove it where where you actually go and you sort of 
um, question people that went through certain experiences. And when one person says something, and the other person says exactly the same thing, and then the other person says exactly the same thing, so it begins to form some sort of you know validation of of what's going on over here. Now. We don't have, on this point in day and age, as far as I know, the technology to know that if you look at it with like gamma radiation on your soul, it'll be like, okay, this soul has been here before, and you know, blah, blah, blah. we don't know that yet. Uh, at least we don't have that, as far as I know. But the, the way that the way that science goes and and finds this out, this information is they go basically based on this research. The way they research is they they interview and they ask questions and they see what happens and they sort of uh, and and if they can, they validate the data. Now, most of the people that we're going to speak about in a scientific way, term, I'm going to, I'm going to, by the way, but the people that I'm bringing are all like doctors of usually, usually psychiatry. The spiritual realm is not, is not um, really equatable with the physical scientific realm. No, but you could prove for it. No, you can't. You can't. That's you can't. The whole thing about Amuna is it's not provable. No, no, there, there is, there, for, it says, you have to know there is a God. But then again, there's also an amuna because there's a, there's a space that there's only so much that you can do. I know. God is looking into something and saying this is not possible without without God. But but that's not really from a modern scientific perspective. It's not really always provable. And and what you're saying, the yudata Hashem, does not solely equate um, one component of reincarnation of souls. There's, there's no, it's something completely else. But I'm talking about that. There's there's always an there's always an idea that you can learn as much as you can about this, and then obviously. Even with all this data, there are plenty of people that don't believe in reincarnation in the scientific world. And the sci- I'm going to bring in scientific proofs that they do believe in it. But even in the scientific world, there are many scientists that don't believe it. There are many scientists that do believe what's it. What's the flip side of what, what's the upside of saying scientists believe in it and scientists don't believe in it? It makes people irrelevant. It's true. It's true, but not in this day and age. Unfortunately, this day, you know what happens in this day and age when you know in the line of uh, you know where, where with the things that I do and the people that I speak to. It's, you know, there's so many times that, that they have to, if they hear that science is behind something, then they'll be like, okay. Yeah, it's a shame, because it should be the other way around. It's true. And you know why? I'll prove it even stronger, because there's a constant and there's a variable. You always measure against the constant. There's only one thing that's a constant, and that is the Torah. The Torah does not change. It always stays the same. What's the variable? What's the always changing thing? It's science. Science is always changing, yet for some reason, in our generation, you know, we have people that they, they always go to the science. Well, this is a 15 billion year old world. How can you prove it to me? In the I think spirituality and godliness is a science. It's just that we haven't understood it yet. Because if you think about it, someone 250 years ago would have radio waves or right. Wi-Fi or data packets would look to them like, like superstition. And so therefore, just because you don't understand something like mazel or other spiritual components doesn't mean that... that it, so, so that's what I'm saying. It's like with your limited brain or limited knowledge on the subject. Right. So, that is true. That's what I'm saying. So, so, but like, so, irrelevant. It's true to some people, but to other people, it brings it brings solid foundation to them. That, and that's 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 the idea behind this this particular topic in this class. Because I have because time we're having another two classes on this to try to sort of explain it more in the in the you know what it actually means. You know, and we're going to be. Like, the only reason why I say that is because the danger of of so to speak of with Amuna tying spirituality sciences because science can be proven and science can be disproven so if you're basing your 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 belief on science and someone comes across and tells you you know with a clear proof that's scientifically proven understandable in today's modern scientific methods then you're so what you're saying is if i'm going into dangerous territory that if i prove it scientifically then it's a problem that if they disprove it then i'm in in another so so it's it should be deemed in my opinion I hear that. I hear that. It's it's again. This is not meant. You know, the the idea behind this is to sort of validate the idea behind it. It's not 
I'm not basing anything off science in this. Right. Every, my, this entire like cl- series of shiurim on on reincarnation, on gagulim, is nothing to do with science. I'm just bringing a science how how so something. Yes, exactly. That's where that's where I'm that's where I'm basically going for in the, in, the, in, the, in the, you know going moving forward from here. So the the the. Um, you know, and it actually became more of a hot topic. You know, in the past maybe 50 years or something on, on reincarnation, um, people have been studying it more. And I, I just, when I was walking over here, I actually, you know, you know, googled how many, uh, you know, people like believe in like reincarnation, or, or no, I think I googled is reincarnation real or something like that. And it came up with the statistics that I think about 24% of Americans. So you're looking at about 75 million people believe in reincarnation. So there's still 75 plus Americans. And again, I don't care about, you know, I, I care about the Jewish people. That's the, the, the you know, the idea. General Patton was a very famous believer in reincarnation. General Patton? Yeah. He actually, when he went to visit certain places in, in the former Carthaginian Empire, he sort of felt as if I was here before. Oh, really? You know, yeah, he's, you know, he's written in his memoirs. The, there, are many holo- there are many, like, um, people that are born after the Holocaust that they've gone to the Holocaust and they say, like, I remember this. I Like, I know, I feel, you know, like... Six million souls, you know. <laughs> Someone's bound to turn up, so, you know. <laughs> the, the, yeah, but anyways, so the first the first uh, uh, person that this, the psychiatrist that I want to bring up is Dr. Ian Stevenson. He was a psychiatrist. He was actually the chair of the Department of Psychiatry in, univers- in the University of Virginia School of Medicine. He was there for fifty years. So generally, when I was looking for research on this, I wasn't looking for some you know little pitcher who would just you know with a, maybe a few letters after his name decides to write about it. I looked for the top of the thing. So you, usually, what I'm speaking about is usually going to be either the chief of psychiatry or some someone high up, not even just a run of the mill doctor. It's actually going to be one of the uh, of the top end ones that it's you know somebody that that holds substantial ground. So. First, so this Dr. Ian Stevenson, so what he did is he decided, and, and this is what the general way that I actually did my research on, is, is, do, is actually interviewing and, and following up and looking at reincarnation stories that happen with children. And the reason why he picked children is that they, they're too real. They don't make it up. They're not actors. You know, there's some people who are like, oh, I, I was, you know, I was whatever. I was some famous actor too, you know. And they, they just make it up, everything up because they just know how to act. And they'll know, they'll learn all the knowledge beforehand. But, but a child, they, they, they can't. They don't know anything. So the, everything that they say is more true. And they get to the smaller children. So he focused at a very young age. He figured that's more real. That's more realistic. But he and he uh, he's found some com- common patterns. I'm going to share with you some six common patterns and then some stories from him that he uh, that he presented. So number one is he says as as soon as a child can communicate, the child starts speaking about a previous life. So they'll even either say that their name is not their name. Their name is really somebody else. They'll or they'll um, they'll say that uh, their current family is not their family. They actually belong to a different family. And they even at times remember the other family's names and they actually br- bring the other families. That's number one. Number two is that they remember the details of their deaths in their prior lifetimes. And I think he said 50%, he says, was actually a violent or premature death that happened. And not only that, it says that if it was some sort of violent death, when they were reincarnated, the, which was in the body that they're currently speaking to, there was a scar in that same particular place. If there was a knife mark or a bullet whom there would be some sort of birthmark that was actually there. Not a scar, sorry, a birthmark. Um, there was some sort of, yeah, there was some sort of, of identification that, you know, and it's not like the child will, you know, can even be somewhere where he can't see it and he, that's where he points to it that it happened. Number three is that the, what the child is when he meets the family, which is the third family, the, the second family for the first time, he's able to identify their names just by looking at them. And he's even, even able to, or she's able to be able to uh, identify secrets that no one in the family knows except for whoever has to obviously be in the family. I'm just wondering how often has this been documented? Thousands of thousands of cases. Interesting. Yeah, 
thousands of cases. But each, each, you know, obviously collectively, there's only so much that each scientist could do. But it's, it is really common. It is it is a, a really common. Uh, it's common even among non-Jews. I'm talk- This is all the stories that I'm bringing right now is all secular sources. Nothing. I might sneak in some Balshemtov story like at the end, but if we have time. But the idea is it's going. It's all the the point of this class is to prove it from the secular from the secular thing. So the way that I'm going to do is I'm going to present some information and then I'm going to bring you some stories on it. I don't mean to not to change it, but isn't in Jewish culture in Jewish whatever mysticism that a Gentile soul and a Jewish soul. Are not the same. They are not, but it doesn't. And but it doesn't mean that just because you are a Jew and now that you were a Jew before, it doesn't mean if you're Jew now you can be Jew again. The Arizal brings. Yeah. So this is probably the third class where I'll speak about it, where certain sins make you come back, certain affairs make you come back in, in certain things, and it's possible that you do certain things, you'll actually come back as certain animals. Certain affairs that you well, that do. I've heard of. That so, I've heard and certain things you'll come back as a non-Jew. Interesting. Yeah. And in fact, there are some stories over here, uh, I think one of them, I don't know if we'll get to it today, is, speaks up specifically about a, a, non, uh, a, a non-Jew that was Jewish beforehand. Right. So, it, it, is very, it is very interesting. The interesting part that I find, and the reason why I like to start with the scientific, is because as we say scientific, and they'll present it as like data that they validated based on you know, how many of research they did, as you see, as you learn more about it, you'll be like, well, the Torah said this like a thousands of years ago. You know, like you're not telling us anything new, which is a pretty amazing. You know, not that it, not that it, not that it needs any validation of the Torah, but rather that it's, it's just, you know, it sort of just makes everything just that a little bit more real. So, number three, uh, we said number three. Number four is that when they come back, they come back with the same personality traits and their personal preferences and habits and, you know, that, that persist from one incarnation to another, which is really crazy. And number five, he says that the gender usually stays the same. He says 90% of the people that came back came back in the same gender. He says also that um, the 10% that didn't, he says, might give us an insight to homosexuality or transgender or transsexual, all these different types of diseases. He, that, he brings that as an insight. He doesn't really go into detail in it, but he sort of, you know, opens that door. So, and the sixth one is he says that the physical appearance is similar from one life to another. So you actually look similar. So, so yeah, those are Dr. Ian Stevenson's, uh, um, Ian Stevenson's uh, six criteria that he found that he collectively, collectively did. And I want to share with you a few stories from him. Um, number one is, this, I'm going to tell you the names and whoever was watching also, I'm going to tell you as much information as I can so that I'm not making this up. You can go look it up, search for it. Um, so, okay, number one is by a story by the name of a boy named James Linager. He was, uh, since he was born, he was very, very obsessed with airplanes. And, you know, and his parents, you know, we realized this when he was two, he had a nightmare. And he, so he woke up screaming, airplane crash, plane on fire, little man can't get out. And he kept on repeating and screaming that. So his parents came, you know, calmed him down. And, uh, you know, slowly after that, he started presenting knowledge that no little child should know at that age. He was once uh, playing with his mother with an with a old, like, World War II airplane. And she was, as they were playing it, the mom was saying, you know, like, on the bottom, this is where the bombs come out. And he's like, no, mom, that's called a drop tank. And she's like, all right, whatever, okay. Uh, and then, you know, they were once watching, the family was watching a, a documentary on World War II, and the narrator was calling a Japanese plane a zero. And the little child who was watching, he says, no, it's not called a zero, it's called a Tony. And they, they, we started saying, they actually validated the dad. They actually went and they looked it up, and it turns out that he was right on both accounts. So they saw that there's something was going on, and he started drawing, like, like airplanes, and he started getting very involved with the airplanes. What was the other plane? Because I happen to be very proficient in World War II uh, Japanese. Uh, it was said it was, it was, he, they said it was, his plane was a zero, and he said, no, it was called a Tony. 
I don't know anything. I'm just repeating it. I don't know what the information on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know that. Um, but in any case, he was right when the other person was wrong. And according to the story, he actually validated it and it, and it was right. The, and the narrator who was saying the documentary was wrong. So slowly after these nightmares started happening, he started remembering more about his previous life. And so much so that he was even able to remember his name. His name originally was James Houston uh, Jr. And he even remembered the Navy, the, the ship that he, that he served on was the Natoma. And he even remembered his co-pilot's name, which was uh, Jack Larson. And he also had a, a, a this Houston, he had a, a living sister. And they, had, they actually you know, did some validation. The ship was called Natoma? Natoma. N-A-T-O-M-A. Aircraft carrier? That's too much information. I don't know. Ask me stuff about the Torah. No, <laughs> yeah. There are only so, like five aircraft carriers in the West. I could probably send you the link if you want to this yeah, stuff. Remind me afterwards. Of, like, yeah. Remind me afterwards. I'll send you the link that there's a, the, of, of of where I got the stuff. So uh, the next uh, the next story was was a guy of by the name of, a kid by the name of Gus Taylor. This was a, this was a freaky story because Gus Taylor when he was um, when he was just a baby I think 18 months old and his father was changing his diaper he looks up as his dad and he says you know dad when I was your age I was changing when you were my age I was changing your diaper you know imagine that hearing that was a, for a little baby changing his diaper 18 month old so or a little bit older than that so you know it got him a little scared but you know didn't didn't think too much into it uh when he was about four years old the the grandmother died uh which was this grandfather's wife and they all went to you know they started looking at old albums and they were looking at album albums when when the grandfather was a little kid and which means that this four-year-old would have no idea knowing that I was a grandfather. And he's like, and he, as he points, he's like, oh look, there I am, right here. I was here, and that's my car. And he names his car, and he names. And then he started giving over some information that they didn't want to know. He knew that his sister, this guy, which was really his grandfather, his sister died, and now that she died, she was murdered, and she was thrown in the San Francisco Bay. And no four, nobody, no four-year-old will tell. And he was actually right on on, on that thing. So they, you know, it was, you know, obviously like how is it possible? And he knew that. The other, uh, the next story. This story is actually not by Dr. Ian Stevenson. It's actually by by Dr. Eli Lash. This is a um, was an Israeli physician um, that he served in the Gaza Strip. And what he in 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 2009. So so a little background on this is in Israel. There's there is a certain group of people that live. They're called the Druzim or Druzim. Uh, yeah, they they live usually in the Golan Heights near the Syrian border, and um, that's where they. So they have actually very interestingly a lot of reincarnation stories amongst that amongst that. Right, uh, very interesting. You mentioned that because the border patrol uses them specifically because they say that the Druzim have a sixth sense. Yeah, there's, there's something with them. There's something very odd with with they, them they that sense, they have extra. They yeah. Um, they're they're not Jews, but they live in Israel and they have Israeli citizens. They serve in the army. They you know so so they're very uh, you know it's it's a very interesting situation. But in any case, so there was a three year old boy that grew up in one of those uh, settlements, and he goes over there and he says. He tells his parents that he was killed in a, pre- a three-year-old kid. Tells his parents he was killed in his previous life with an axe to his head, and it just so happens he had a mark on his head where he says that it was that it, that it was hit. So you know when he kept on repeating it, so they started looking into it. They started you know they're saying you know they lived in a village. So he says, do you know which village you lived? So she says, I'll remember the village. So they started actually they they took it like an expedition. They took this three-year-old kid. They went with a few family members, and they actually invited this this uh, this doctor because he showed interest in reincarnation. This doctor Ellie Lash. So they invited him, and they went to one uh, one. In the village, and they, they asked the boy, "Do you see anything familiar over here?" And the, you know, he says no. So they went to another village, a second village. Again, he said no. 
When they got to the third village, he says, this is, this is my village. I remember this village. And as he... A Jew's village? A Jew's, a Jew's, yeah. And as he got in there, he sort of, uh, you know, he started remembering names, and he started remembering... He remembered his name. It doesn't share who, what his name was. And not only that, he also remembered the name of his murderer. And he goes, and um, once, he go, once they get into the community, so they ask him, do you know somebody by this name, who he says who he was? And he says, yeah, he happened to, you know, disappear about four years ago. And they were, but, and they said, so the, the doctor asked him, so did you do any follow-up to find out what happened? And he says, no, to be honest, we have, unfortunately, this happens pretty often in our area because we're close to the Syria, Syrian border. And sometimes they catch us and interrogate us. They think we're spies. And, you know, and, and so this is a very common thing that people go, and we thought some misfortune happened to him. And they didn't really think too much into it. And uh, so there was a sort of a crowd that was, you know, gathering around this when this when this was happening over there. And the boy noticed somebody over in, in the distance, and he started walking to him, and he called him by his name. And, you know, and the, the, the guy, the doctor asked him, he says, is that, is that really your name? And he says, yeah. And the boy said that that guy murdered me. He goes over, he confronted his murderer, and he says, is that not only that, he's like, I could show you where he hid the body and the murder weapon. And, you know, and this guy, when he heard that, he turned white. White as a sheet. And they all walked together with this. Uh, uh, it says it doesn't really. I don't know the motive, but but uh, they go. He go. Actually, it does say a little bit. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll share with you in a shortly. So he goes over to uh, um, the, the and they actually go where where he was buried. He actually stopped. This little boy solved his own murder mystery, and um, and this guy confessed to the whole thing. He confessed to the whole thing when they brought him to the place. And uh, you know the Jews have a certain way of doing it. They they didn't they didn't bring him to the you know he said we'll take care of him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But what the kid said, what the kid told him, he says he says you yeah you know he says. Me and you used to be neighbors, and we had a disagreement, and you killed me with an axe, and you buried me over here, and you put the axe over there. You know, and it completely, you know, uh, you know, oh, it's late already. Okay, let me just finish this idea. So, um, the, the, the last, yeah, we'll finish with this little story, and then we'll continue with the last next week, is, um, it's, it's, uh, this is a, this is actually a very interesting one where, where, you know, a little boy goes over to his mother and he says, uh, it was actually, sorry, it was actually a little girl. It was a little girl by the name of Nicola Weeder. And she goes, she was five years old and she goes over to her mother and she says, mommy, she says, how come I'm not a boy like I used to be? You know, so that's pretty scary thing for a parent to hear. Um, but then she started sort of like saying things that made it, you know, like she was living a different life. And she used to say that she used to have a dog named Muff. And she also used to say that, she also used to tell her, says, you know, my other mommy's name used to be Miss Wheat, uh, Miss uh, Benson. And, and she says, I was her little boy and I used to play with Muff. And they, they, you know, she, this mother kept on putting on journals. She kept on writing down her, all her, the journals of everything that was happening for that this boy said. And they actually went and they actually did some follow up. They found out that this little Nicola was a reincarnation of five-year-old son of Mr. and Mrs. Benson of Hayworth in Yorkshire, England, with a dog by the name of Muff. So the you know and and then not only that so what happened was is that uh, you know so they went and they did some research they actually went to Yorkshire they actually went to to this area to see if uh, um, you know if they could find where the old house is so they actually went and they they found the the old the old house but there was no Mrs Benson that was in that you know the, no no Benson family that lived there so they go and they uh, you know they they say you know they, before giving up they figured let's check the church registries of people there and they found out that there was. In the year, uh, by the year July, in the July twenty fifth, eighteen seventy five, 
It was John Henry Benson was born to Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Benson. That he was almost a hundred years, over, I'm sorry, over a hundred years before this story happened, before he actually came, he actually lived in this, re, in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, in this house. And it says that what happened was, you know, that, uh, this little boy, his father used to work in a railroad, uh, you know, thing. And he, he always used to tell, warn him, don't play near the railroad tracks. And he got, you know, he played, and he, what happened was, it was a, at five years old, this boy got hit by a train and he passed away. And every time that this girl would see, like, these scenes on movies or TV, she would get really scared and start having nightmares and it's just so interesting how everything you know just just you know played everything uh, back around the next story is a, is a little bit longer so i'm not gonna i'm gonna save it for next time when we a few minutes, even if you're, finish it. you're okay fine so um if you feel you go then whoever needs uh, so okay so the, the the next story was was somebody by the name of ryan hammonds uh this is also another child Four years old, and he, uh, when he was little, he used to always direct imaginary movies. You know, she would hear the parents would hear from this movie saying, you know, cut, action, you know, little kids, you know, playing, okay, whatever. Thought it was harmless. And, uh, but then he started waking up in the middle of the night with nightmares, screaming in his chest, holding his chest, screaming that his heart exploded. And, uh, you know, and he said, he, he said, you know, my heart exploded when I was a ho- when I was in Hollywood. And, you know, so the mother thought nothing about it, so, you know, she, the mother's name was Sydney. She went and she tucked her son back. They didn't give a kiss. Said, Don't worry about it. It's just a nightmare and forget about it. And as she's tucking him in, he looks up at her and he says, you know, like, Mama, he says, I think I used to be somebody else. You know, and, you know, so the mother gets, you know, like, you know, we'll talk about it in the morning. <laughs> you know, let's like, we'll not talk about it right now. So he says that, you know, he kept on speaking about it. He said that he used to be, uh, you know, he used to have a big white house. He used to have a big swimming pool. And it was in Hollywood. And he, used to, he lived actually in Oklahoma. And he said he remembered he had three sons. But he doesn't remember the names. And he kept on crying to his mother. He says, Mommy, why can't I remember my son's names? And she's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So she, did, she didn't know what to do. And she kept it sort of to herself. And what she started to do is she started taking out some books from the library that are like pictures of like old uh, movies. What era was the story happened about? This is pretty recent. Oh. This, is, this is fairly recent. So she started, she started taking out books and she started looking at, uh, you know, flipping through books, see if it brings back any, any more of his memories. So she actually did some research on reincarnation, but didn't think too much about it. But one, so, so one day this, uh, Ryan and Sydney, they were, you know, his, the boy and the mother were turning pages and, uh, they, once, uh, they were looking, they, the, he stopped the page one day, before they were turning in a 1930s movie called Night After Night. There was two men in the center and then there was, uh, there was uh, four other men in the picture. And he's looking at the picture, the boy, and he says, he's like, that's George. He says, me and him did a picture together. He's been speaking like in the, you know, all days. He says, we did a picture together. And then he's looking at, and he shoots to the corner. There was a guy with a scarf, and he says, that's me. That's me. I found me. And he, and he points to this other guy who's unknown. Nobody knew who, who, who he was. So... The, this is where, you know, the, the mother got a little bit, you know, nervous of, you know, what's going on. You know, this is a little bit more, you know, serious. So she, uh, she went and she contacted a, 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 a psychiatry professor. Yeah, a psychiatry professor in UVA Medical Center in Division of Perceptual Studies by the name of Dr. Jim B. Tucker. Very, very famous also in this, uh, in, in this area. And he, he's been, he's been studying, but at this, when this story happened, he's been studying this scenarios for about 15 years. He's, you know, and he studies also between the ages two and six. So he, before we even get more, let me t- tell you a little bit about him. So he had also some statistics that he compiled. He said 60% of children who had past life memories were males, which also brings us, we'll see when we speak about the, what, what the Torah speaks about and how it says it's also said. And then he says also 70% of the children had some rougher, unnatural death or premature death. More males and more and, and sudden endings. Yes, so far so good. And he says... Um, 
He says also that, again, like the other person, that 90% were the same sex. They came back as a girl, they came back as a girl, they came back as a boy, they came back as a boy. And uh, he also said that 20% of the children, they had some memories, actually between death and birth. They had some more, in, 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 you know, additional memories. So... He doesn't. He doesn't go into it. In, in the, at least, in, at least in the in the study that I was reading from him. So he says that um, you know he he writes in his book. He has a book called Return to Life, and he even come, he even somehow proves. He says somehow in, in nature's smallest particles behave. It gives a it proves a little bit clues to to the reincarnation existent, and and they are able to like through quantum physics that indicate that our physical world may grow out of our consciousness. And there are many physicists that actually believe that. So, but but he would saying that this world is, is like a dream world. Oh, really? Elon Musk, the founder of uh, Tulsa, Tulsa? Tesla? Uh, Tesla? Yeah, uh, so, um, and he bases his data off quantum... Oh, really? Quantum... Yeah? PayPal, too. What? PayPal was his first... Right, right. PayPal was his first... Right, that's where... Because it's not possible for this world to be real in, in its pure sense. Like yeah. Right. Right. Which is, you know, you know, sometimes it's funny because you get the people that are really smart that are able to actually see that, and at the same time you have people that are really smart that actually don't. You know, so it's very interesting how how the perception works. So anyway, so so Sydney, this this woman contacted uh, this woman's mother, this man, sorry, this boy, um, contact this boy Ryan's mother contacted. Jim Tucker, this Dr. Chuck Tucker, and uh, she, you know, so she sent him the, this this information, and she sent him actually a picture, and he identified that the main, the person that he was referring to, um, you know, it was it was in the was in this was in the picture was a guy by the name of Martin Martin. Oh, I'm sorry, no, the person that who he was, the George, and the person who he was, they actually couldn't figure it out because he wasn't he was an undocumented extra in the movie. So what they did was they sent it to this this movie expert archivist or whatever it is, and, and he and he said that the boy that he pointed the man that he pointed to his name was Martin Martin, and um, so so it, he, this guy Tucker did not this the doctor Tucker did not share any of this information with the mother with anybody. And what he did was is he actually one of his visits he actually visited Oklahoma, so he actually visited them, and he when he when he met them. He took out four pictures of women, and he placed them all in front of them. And he goes to the little boy, and he says, "Do any of these mean anything to you?" Three of these pictures completely random. One had some sort of meaning. And the boy looks at all the pictures, and the second that he sees one, he says, "Yeah, this one. This one I recognize. That happened to be Martin Martin's wife." He was able to prove out of that who was, you know, that, that it was uh, that it, uh, it was his wife. So. After they, you know, he, you know, asked him some questions and, you know, solidified basically his his uh, his findings. He goes and they actually met with one of the daughter, Martin Martin's daughter. So it's really this little kid's daughter. They met him. She originally didn't want to meet him, but eventually he said, you know, fine, and, and they actually met him. So um, and and he actually, you know, this this boy actually validated. She validated some facts that the boy said. Number one, he said that that he used to dance in New York, and it turns out that this Martin was a Broadway dancer, and he also said that he was. Uh, this boy said that he. Used to be an agent, and he said where people used to always have uh, changed their names. And he says this, you know, he used to be an agent for Hollywood and talent agencies, you know, people always have the stage names. And then he also said that his old address had rocks in it, and the daughter confirmed it, that he used to live at 825 North Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. And uh, there was a few other things, and he said, you know, they had three sons, and she's like, yes, you know, she, he did have three sons, and she, she obviously knew the names. And uh, so they actually met. They actually, he met his daughter, in a, you know, and it, it didn't go well. 
it, it was it was very interesting. It did not go well. She, you know, when he saw her, he sort of ran behind his mother, and she kept on saying like something's different about her. Her energy is different. Very odd things. And after eventually, like you know, after the meeting, he told his mother. He says, "I don't want to go to that old family. I want to keep my new family." And ever since that happened, he sort of ever since he, the sort of the memories and the nightmares sort of went away. And if you notice, that's that's a um, that is a common thing that that is that has always been seen in um, in these type of situations where the the second where you you sort of you know validated it sort of you know goes away the nightmares and the and the you know the you know all the all these things that happen. It gives closure to the soul. What? It gives closure to the soul. I guess so. It gives closure to the body at least. So the the, the psyche. How about the comfort to Kuhn, though? It came for the reason. These are specifically though non-Jews that we're talking about. These are specifically so which. Say before that it doesn't. Because the non-Jews, I mean, they weren't Jewish in a previous lifestyle. Right, right, right. I, I, obviously, there's just and by the way, there's, there's, for the non-Jews, there's also a purpose. There's also tikkunim for that. There's also things that they need to do that. Okay, um, do we have a little bit more time? If you need to go, whoever needs to go, just just uh, step out. So um, yeah, but uh, um, I'll, I'll just I want to finish up at least the scientific part of it because um, we'll see how much I could get it. Uh, get done. Yeah. I saw pictures once about this. Oh, you mean they look same. similar? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one of the criteria that actually one of the Dr. Ian Stevenson's. Yeah, they look. They look similar. They actually, there's actually people that do these types of research with uh, with actors. Yeah. Nicholas Cage has one. I saw Nicholas yeah. Cage has one. Yeah. Uh, many actors that have this, like, these photos of black and white. It's photoshopped. Right. Just because someone looks like someone else before. Yeah. It doesn't, right. It doesn't necessarily mean, yeah. It's only, it's, in Jewish, in Jewish life, you see it a lot. There's only such a certain amount of gene pools. There's only X amount of variations you'll get. People will be like, it's some of them the spirit, first of all, when, when your, your body is like a glove for the spiritual. So when you, your soul actually looks like you in a sense. There's a, there's a, especially when you go into like heaven, there is, there's Ganeiden Elyon and Ganeiden Tachton. There's a, there's a two different types of Ganeiden. So, so you, you still have some sort of, uh, you know, appearance. When you go into the higher level of Ganeiden, it's just like, it's just like an, it's just like a being, a light, if you, if you may. But there is, you, you still look like the same idea. And when you're coming, one of the reasons you're coming back here is to fix things. One of the reasons you have to fix things, you're coming back basically for the, in the same scenario, same situation, so same idea. Everything is a mirror in this world. This world and the next world is a mirror. It's a mirror world. I already take with you your attributes. That's okay. Yes. That's very, very Character definitive. traits. Definitive. Yeah. Exactly yeah. Traits. That's yeah. Very definitive. If you're very like giving here and then heaven's very giving. Right. Right, right, absolutely. So, um, so the next, the next, uh, the next scientist, the next doctor, actually, is the name of Doctor uh, Brian Weiss. Uh, he was the chief of psychiatry in, a, in uh, I think, a, a hospital in Miami. He was interviewing this uh, Catholic uh, woman by the name of Catherine, who was uh, she was a middle child. Um, she had an older brother who was very athletic and very well liked, and then she had a younger sister who everybody was the parents' favorite. So she was sort of in that middle child, never had, you know, that real place to be, and she suffered some emotional issues. She, for some reason, ever since she was younger, she had a fear of water, fear of choking, fear, she couldn't swallow pills, she couldn't, uh, she had a fear of the dark, she had fear, you know, that she was going to die, and she had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of issues. So much so, is that she was suffering so much that she would she had also suffered from insomnia she wouldn't be able to sleep and in order for her to actually go to sleep she would usually sleep in a walk-in closet 
And, and then again, sleep in her, in her house with the lights on and then only sleep for a few hours. So she, she you know, had to go through many, many issues that she, that she went through. And she eventually went and met with this doctor, uh, Brian Weiss. So what, what, he, what, what he told her what he wanted to do is if she's able to swallow, he would sort of start her on some mild anxiety medication just to sort of calm her down and then start to see what's going on into the problem. Now, this is very important, especially for anybody who is in the medicine field or anybody that needs to know medicine in general. When, when If somebody has a headache and they take Tylenol, you didn't heal the problem. You mask the symptoms. You're, 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 you're treating the cause. Yeah. So, so there are many times that people just take the medication. It's not really helping. People are, are depressed and they're taking antidepressant. It's, they'll make themselves happier as long as the pills work, but they're not treating the cause. The cause has to be through psychology and, and through, you know, through the actually therapy. Well, in some cases it is, but even even if it's not, even if it's actual, you know, it does. No, because some of them have the, there's a chemical imbalance, and what these medications do is that they balance these chemicals. So, so in the brain, there's some sort of, and that's if there's a chemical imbalance, it could cause depression, and anxiety. Sometimes it's psychotherapy is needed, not pills. Psychotherapy always needed. Ten out of ten times it's needed. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So, but the idea is is that um, is that uh, is first of all what he what you know what he started doing. So he started doing the you know the, the psychology part, talking to her and you know seeing what's going on. And she remembered very little of her of her childhood, which is you know she's repressed a lot of memories. So in the back of her mind, he decided that he's you know put a, you know a possible you know cause of hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapy is sort of like regression therapy. If you're not familiar with it, it's sort of bringing a person back like with hypnosis to their early childhood to like sort of take out the repressed memories, relive it. Right. There are, uh, as far as I understanding, there are even some some police stations that actually use this for. Or in in uh, um, in let's say crime scenes where where people are traumatized they can't they're like shocked they don't know anything so it's sort of like you know it brings yeah everything is processed by the brain the thing is it's like you know when you drove here or whatever it is your brain processes how many lights you pass how many trees you pass how many lions you pass but you have, there's so much oh, you yeah subconsciously there's just if you would process all that information right but if you had if you kept all that information you'd be you'll you'll be overflowed it's sort of like you know um, the, the also, these autistic kids. Oh, you're going to say yeah, if you ever seen it, they, they, they retain it. Yeah, right. They don't filter. Right. And there's, it was a very interesting video that I seen years ago where how an autistic kid feels walking through a mall, and he hear and you hear like you know you see like his eyes walking around. It's it's like you hear like you know like voices and this and everything going on, and that's why it looks like they're not all there because they have so much going on in their mind, and that's why like sometimes you know like uh, there are certain people like you'll drop a, a matchbox of like or like a card deck, and they'll be like, okay, 642 cards over there. Or six, you know, there's 1,400 matches. They know instantly. Everything, everything, everything is instant. Like rain, rain right, right, right. That's what, that was an example also that I, where, where like everything, that, that was, some, it was somebody who, like that, yeah. yeah, he's like, he, you know, uh, he processed everything like instantly. It's where people usually do some like card uh, counting tricks on these type of, uh, you know. But, but in, in any case, so, so the idea is that it, when you're going to, to, to the therapy, it's not just a mass of symptoms. So you take that mild anxiety medication, try to get that, and then take it out. And he saw that wasn't working, so he tried now to th- think about something called uh, the hypnosis or regression therapy. So uh, he actually brought her back, she, you know, and it turns out that, um, you know, she had some like very hidden, you know, strong, you know, deep uh, repressed memories that, you know, when she was uh, 9 or 11, her mother was very depressed, and so the so she went for electroshock therapy. And then one of the side effects of electroshock therapy, the mother, the mother, the mother, the mother of this of this patient. And um, one of the problems with these treatments is that it causes memory loss. So she was as a little girl, she was living with her mother, who who like was completely at memory loss, like the children and the, the things that were going on. And that not being enough. 
her father was an alcoholic, and many times her brother actually had to go fetch the father out of the, you know, out of the bars and, and bring him home. And whenever they were together, the father and the mother, the father, you know, would scream and fight, and she would always, you know, go this. And the, well, then the mother would, you know, when she gets screamed at, what happens if somebody who's depressed gets screamed at? They get they withdraw. So she withdrew, and and he was fighting, and, and you know, and they kept on bringing back. And she had even a, a memory when she was three year old, three years old, that her father abused her. What does this have to do with, with the incarnation, though? Oh, relax. We're getting there. We're getting there. I think this is the introduction. So um, he goes and, uh, you know, and actually, this particular woman, you know, she's a good Catholic. She didn't believe in reincarnation. And if I'm not mistaken, there's something very interesting in, um, I wonder, in the, the Christian Council of Nice in the year 553 declared that reincarnation is heretical. You're not allowed to believe it. And they banned it from the church doctrine. I don't know if what they do now. Five, five, three. Well, apropos yeah. today, the Pope uh, forgives any abortions. I saw that. Yeah. Not the Pope, any priest could do it. Any yeah. Priest. Yeah. So, um, the, the priest came out today, or, or not the priest, the Pope, the Pope came out today he, that he, he could forgive. Authority, yeah. yeah. He gives permission for anybody to forgive abortions. God forgives abortions. Yeah. Repent on the abortion. I love it how man decides what God forgives and what God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting how, uh, but in any case. So, so, uh, um, go. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. So, so, uh, um, you know, as, as she was, uh, as she was going through a treatment, she started having nightmares. One of the nightmares was that she had a bridge that collapsed as she was driving across it, and she plunged into the water, and she was like trapped and drowning. In another dream, she was in a pitch black room and stumbling and falling over things. Now, in the, this was a, in, this is going back to the year 1980, where he's, this is where Dr. Brian Weiss is, uh, uh doing this treatment on her. And, um, he, and, you know, so he started pushing more into hypnotherapy, and he found out that at the age of five, she was pushed into the swimming pool, and she almost drowned, and which could be why she had all those nightmares. And uh, you know, and he found other like issues, and you know, she even found like like she was in a dentist office when she was like very little, and she had she remembered getting you know the the yeah, night yeah the yeah. laughing gas. So um, he goes, and and uh, you know she he you know he continued with. Yeah, he continued with, with these, uh, with these, um, you know, hypnosis until eventually he says, okay, you know, go back even earlier, and and he even brought her back to previous lives. He and there's a, this is a way there's a way to actually to actually bring you back into previous, and it's he he brings down in his book. Dangerous? I don't know, I don't know the side effects of it. It sounds scary. Um, it's hypnosis. Hypnosis. You bring about a hypnosis to your previous life. So yeah, your soul and your brain. Right, and he so she actually started at one point she and he, she had went through a few reincarnations or incarnations rather, and she started speaking in like a husky voice at one point in time and saying some philosophical thoughts. And um, he, he, he what he would do is he would bring her back to the day of when of that particular lifetime of the day that she died and try to basically describe what was happening. And she always described the same idea, you know, floating above the body like we spoke about, and you know the same the same uh, thing that that they have uh, conveyed until that point. But what happened was is that. The reason why he started doing this is that he saw that after all this regression that is happening, he saw that that nothing is changing. She's still having the nightmares. She's still, you know, she's still not doing it. So what he decided to do is he tells her, he says, go back to where this uh, symptom arised. He basically said, go back to where this problem started, your fear of water, for example. So she went back into an ancient time. This is the first time that she went back, and she described that in her village there was a, there was a flood or a tidal wave. And she remembers very vividly getting drowned alive. And not only that is that she remembers her baby infant, child getting pulled away from her from the car and watching him drown, you know, before she passed away. And once once he basically uncovered this information, all of a sudden she didn't have a fear of dry, of like water anymore or swimming. He sort of, you know, and this is the idea of why they, the closure, it's like a sort of a, sort of a, 
Yeah. So, so, but one time she was in a trance, and this is the scary part, is that... Um, Drug-induced trance, or, or, or... I don't know. I would hope not. I, I right. you know, I, I don't think it's... It's stuck also in So, yeah, I don't know the side effects of it. Yeah. I don't know the side effects of it, but it is, but it is a common thing right. that, that it's... I've heard, it's, I've heard of this form of therapy. I think you could either, you could call it regression therapy or hypno, hypnotherapy to previous lives. There are people that do it. Um, but how do you speak so back? I mean, there's only so much you can, like... How do you do it? You gotta keep on having to go back and back and back. How do you authenticate that it's not just fantasy fantasy thoughts? So these 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 in adult situations are very hard to. That's why when we started off, we started off with children cases. So children can't make these things up. In adult cases, you're right. That's why that most of the the theories that are that you could actually say are more real are when it happens in children. It could very possibly they want attention. Very very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was proven data. They they gave information that it was that they didn't know and they it was validated. So but in any case so so what happened was in, in this particular Yeah. What the interesting thing in the in this particular story about Catherine is that while Dr. Weiss brings her back, he says um, you know, she unprovoked starts giving him information and she says um, you know, I see your father. She tells him, and you'll know that his father because his name is Avraham. And she says it like Avraham. His father, you know, apparently he was Jewish. I don't know what his religious affinity was. But he says, your father was, is Avraham. And to the psychiatrist. To the psychiatrist. Yes, your father is Avraham. And you'll know uh, also that he died because of his heart. And your child also died because his heart was backwards like a chicken. And your son wanted to show you that medicine only goes so far. I quote. And when, when he heard this, he was speechless, this doctor. Because first of all, his father died years back, back because of a heart condition. And his son was, was died 23 days after, after he was born due to the, the veins of his heart was incorrectly routed. So it was entering... It was, inco- it, was, it, was, it was going back as if it was backwards. I don't know why the chicken, I'm just quoting that directly from there. And, and when this happened, Dr. Weiss himself, himself he, he saw that, med- that they couldn't save his child. He saw that medicine can only go so far. And then she goes on and she says, the debt satisfied his parents' debt. And she says that, that every, the debt, this, his, I'm sorry, his death satisfied the parents' debt. And she goes on and she says that every debt must be paid. And if you don't have to pay, if you haven't paid it out, you have to come back to pay it out. This is a Catholic woman I'm trying to understand, like, the, the, the logic behind it. The death or debt? Death. The death paid up the debt. Which debt? Of the f- parents. The parents have some... Uh, there are certain... Yeah, yeah. There are certain... You know, and it's hard to understand because what does a child have to do with the, with the, you know, with the parents? Oh, it says that, that, that you should, should... Right, exactly. The, children, the small children are actually part of the... Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're this, the ch- so up to a certain amount of generation. Up to a certain amount of age, also. After a certain age, the parent, the child can die because of the parent's sin, unless it continues the same in the same footsteps. And it's not it really it's not die; it's really suffer for the same for the punishment right. of that. There's, all, yeah. there's, there's different, yeah, there's different ideas in it, but um, certain curses propagate over a certain amount of generations. It's written down in the Gemara. Yeah, yeah. There's also certain so, pacts that you make. Yeah. So uh, the idea is the, the part that this this Dr. Wise found very fascinating is that she said his name the way it says in Hebrew, and nobody knows him by that name. He, everyone knew him as Alvin. And she didn't even say Abraham or Alvin. She says Avraham, like the Jewish way. And he was like, how is that possible? And she knew that. And he was, he was speechless by this, uh, by, this, uh, you know, by this story. And, you know, and, and how was she able to recount that? If she, if she, I mean, like, how was she able to tap into that? I don't know. She said, you're, the, the, she just, it wasn't like he asked her about it. I, and I know, is, oh, you're saying, how is it possible? Once you're in the spiritual realm, you have, you know, it's... it's, it's when he did psychotherapy, um, 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 
It's not nevuah. No, because it wasn't anything in the in the future. It was something more in the. It's 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 inside, but it's not it's not it's not giving any any anything. Yeah, it's not giving anything in in addition. I know one of the things that Alon and Nevat talked about is like when he when he I guess like his soul left his body, he was able to be inside other people's bodies and like kind of like see what they're right. Right. See their past and like right. When like it t- whenever he goes like touch the heat gets it. Right. So perhaps like when her you know perhaps uh uh-huh. like it's sort of connected somehow. Left and like maybe went into him and she was able to see. It's very possible. You yeah. Know, Green Mile. Yeah, Nothing. So this African American guy who was in jail during the night slavery period of America. So in the thirties. So in the thirties. So he was in jail. He had a certain gift. He would touch people. And actually, he can sense their life experiences. Oh, really? He can read their whole memory, <laughs> their whole life. And yeah. It's, like it's the same idea, but I wonder. I don't know if I would. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in, yeah, but he, he yeah, yeah, same no, idea. Right, the same concept, except that his is uh, his reference in the spiritual, and you're more in the physical. Right, right, but the same idea, the same idea. But in any case, you know, yeah. So the whole idea with. So it depends. So you're saying like, are they like, is it? Are they? In, are they possessed? So, so it. Oh, oh, you're referring to our previous life. I'm not. I've never heard of that. Uh, that theory. Schizophrenia. Could, the what? The 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 no um to the katanim to the children and shatim also the the idea behind yeah I don't know about in reincarnation and in fact that is is that a reason for schizophrenia but I know that the possessions yeah no schizophrenia schizophrenia could be when you either hear things that are not there see things that are not there. Or, or you know, you, you, your perception—you perceive things that don't really actually exist. Um, or, or that we don't, sure we don't see. Right? I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, I think he's right. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Multiple, multiple personalities. You have a few personalities. MRI activity. They put, they put, they've done this test now on people who are genuine ones, or not where they're like really just crazy people. Uh-huh. No, they're yeah. people who are crazy, and they, they're, it's fantasy, and right. people who genuinely have multiple personalities uh-huh. in the same being. The brain makes it real. The brain has, when it switches, it, there's MRI activity. Really? And it shows different parts of the brain. That's very brain. interesting. So it's a genuine thing that they're experiencing. It doesn't mean that it's a healthy thing. But no, no, yeah. They're not faking it. The, no, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't even say that most of them are faking it. The, the, the idea, I'll tell you what I thought originally you are asking me is, is it like a possession? You know, that the multiple personality, maybe if they're possessed. And in fact, it, and in fact, people used to think that when they were crazy, or when they, let's say, when they, when they perceived as crazy, they're like, they're probably possessed. So they actually brought it to rabbis and, and you know, or, or, you know, whoever was, you know, the, the ruler of that place. And they said, you know, please take out this possession. They didn't realize, you know. And, and uh, at some times, it's true, it could be a possession, but most times it's just they need medication and, and you know, to, to like a chemical imbalance. Chemical imbalance, no hormones or something. Yeah. yeah. But for the people who are generally not, it's not a chemical imbalance, it's the way their brain is working right or wrong, even if it's a mental defect. But could that be like another... Reason for a reincarnation? I'm not familiar with that. I've never seen that. It's possible that schizophrenics are tuned into a social realm, which is, which is not, not healthy for the human brain to be tuned in. It could be. And therefore they're hearing... It's very possible. There are many people that say that they talk to Eliyahu and Abi. 
and the American people that say right. that they talk that's to. That's exactly what he's saying. If people have the vua, they're shotim, which basically means they're psychic. Ah, uh-huh. I hear you. I hear no, that. Yeah. It's not these yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's trauma induced violence, schizophrenia, like fears. It could be. Yeah. It could also be born, you know, like they're born with hormone imbalance, you know. It doesn't necessarily mean. And granted. What you're saying is not mutually exclusive. No, it can't. Hormone imbalance, it could be. Oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. In a Hanami. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When she was in a psychosis based thing, you could possibly say. Very yeah, very likely. Yeah, yeah. Very likely. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, this you know, you, we have to. Do, uh, thank you. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That, there you go. That obviously also look at it in the spiritual side, but obviously you know take take you know. Yeah. So the idea. I want, I, want to, uh, I, I want to share with you, I wanted to share with you, and we'll finish shortly. Um, the idea behind, uh, I wanted to share with you the story of the Baal Shem Tov, well, at least we'll get one Jewish story inside. Mm-hmm. So there was a, the Baal Shem Tov had a, one of his students, the Magad, and he brought, and he told him, he says, I want you to travel to a certain place, and I want you to sit on, you know, climb up this tree and sit there until sunset. And, you know, when the rabbi says something, if you're a good student, you march. So he goes and he sits, he sits on the tree, and he goes and he sees over there, that there's a, there's a soldier that's going by, going by and there's, he was right near a river. He goes, he sits by a river, uh, he eats a little meal, he rests a little bit, he gets up and he rides his horse off. And he notices that he left a little bag of coins, that, or a bag of coins, that he left his, his wallet down over there. So he goes over and he doesn't say anything to the rabbi. A short while afterwards, a little boy comes along, sees his bag of coins, picks it up and skips off. And a short while after that, an old man comes, exhausted, obviously the very poor, eats, a, eats across the bed, and he goes to sleep near the river. He falls asleep. Meanwhile, the soldier finds out that he lost his, his wallet, is no longer with him. So he comes back to look at it and he sees an old man sleeping right with this. So he wakes up the old man and he says, give me back my wallet. The old man says, what are you talking about? I don't have a wallet. And he starts and says, what are you talking about? I dropped my wallet right here. I was right here. He says, give me a wallet. And he says, I, I don't have any wallet. I didn't see anything over here. And the soldier started beating this man. And he beat him and, and until he felt like he really didn't have anything. And then he just rode off. And when the sun set, you know, the, the student went back to the rabbi and says, you know, this is what I saw. What's, what's going on over here? So he tells him, the rabbi tells him, he says that the soldier owed the boy the ex- exact amount of money that was in the wallet in a previous lifetime. So the student says, so what about this old man? He says, that old man was a judge in a previous lifetime that incorrectly judged a case that made the soldier take it to the boy. He says, everybody comes back in and comes back in to pay, to, to pay their debts. This is what the... the, the so everything is a full circle. And we'll finish with this last story that uh, this is Dr. Uh, Dr. Weiss, his book uh, of Only Love is Real. He has, uh, he has, a, he has, he brings down a story there that he was, um, you know, he also did all this, you know, hypnosis, a therapy. So he did, this is an interesting story because uh, with regarding the non-Jewish, uh, in the Jewish body, and the, the, the Jew in the non-Jewish body. So the, there was a woman by the name of Elizabeth, not Jewish. And she, when she also, you know, the whole idea brought her back into hypnosis therapy. And he, she used to remember the Jerusalem stone. She remembered the colors and the gold and the silver and, the, the, you know, the pinkish uh, hue. And she always remembered about, you know, the, uh, you know her, her life in Jerusalem. And she remembered her father. And her father was named was, named was Ellie. And he was a potter. And she was a young girl by the name of Miriam. And she used to go, and you know, they used to go out with the father. And one time, she she brings back this vivid memory, this vivid, uh, you know, uh, uh, repressed, or what you call it, repressed memory. And she says that one day, her father was, her and her father were walking, and a bunch of Roman soldiers came to the village, and they sort of brutalized him for sport. And what they started doing was, is that you know, they started you know doing all these these uh, type of things, and they tied they tied his feet with uh, um, with rope, and they tied it to the horse, and they just sort of just ran uh, you know all over the place while his body was like bouncing everywhere, and uh, you know as as they figured they had enough fun, they just left him there. 
and he was coughing up blood, and you know, obviously, you know, like leaving this world very, very shortly. His, his, he, this Miriam runs over to him, and she says, you know, I ran over to my to my father, and I was holding him, and I said, she says, I saw his, I saw the soul leave, uh, I saw his soul leave his eyes, and I saw him literally the life go out of his body. This, this fly is literally just on me; <laughs> it's like literally hovering over me. So um, the, the he goes and and yeah, he goes and. No, it's fine. Maybe it's a reincarnation. <laughs> it's very likely. Or maybe it's just a bug spreading pestilence. Very, very possible. Also, so the idea, the, um, the but anyways, the um, he goes and and she goes as her father leaves. She says, you know, I, I love you, Papa, and 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 that's it. And he died, and she remembered that, you know, crying over his her father's lifeless body. She says she has such a strong connection for him, and she took it so hard that she died very young at that age due to her depression, and you know, she she just didn't make it very far. So that's what she told him, and, you know, fine, therapy continued. A short while later, she, he had another, he was such a busy schedule, he didn't even put these two together, he had another, another uh, patient by the name of Pedro. Pedro, you know, w- you know, one time, you know, he brought, uh, you know, they, re- again, regressed him back to a previous life, and he also brought him back to, you know, a Jerusalem story, you know, he was in Jerusalem, and he says this, this story, you know, like, you know, that he was, he was pranced around, the, you know, this Romans came, and they put, they played sport with him, and then they tied him, and they put him all over the place and he was, you know, on the floor and he remembers his daughter running over to him and, you know, saying, you know, I love you, Papa. And then he remembers his soul leaving his body and he was looking down and he saw his lifeless body and his daughter crying over it. And meanwhile, he didn't even put the two and two together, the, the Dr. Weiss. Because he had so many patients overwhelmed, it wasn't back to back. No, no, it, he was both in therapy at the same time. They're both the same story. But anyways, uh, the story goes on that, that uh, a short while later, he brings back to this Pedro, um, and they, they, you know, he brings it back to, this, to, to regression therapy, and he goes back to the same part, same, same point in time that this story happened with the trees, uh, with the, I'm sorry, with the, tr- with the, with the stones and with the, uh, the whole idea. So the, you know, the, he's looking at his notes, he says, we already went through this. He says, why is the patient going back to it again? Must be there's some sort of information over here that he didn't you know, release. So he goes and he, he starts asking questions. He says, so can you tell me your name? And Pedro was looking. He's like, no, I don't remember my name. And for some reason, this Dr. Weiss says, was your name by any chance Ellie? And the, 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 the Pedro's like, yeah, that was me. How do you know my name? And Dr. Weiss says, I have no idea. He didn't even put it through it. He's like, I really don't know. He didn't even put it through it together yet. He writes a story down himself in his book. So he goes and... Doctor, Dr. Brian Weiss. So he goes and, he's, and he says, afterwards he's thinking, and then he puts the two together. He says, I have another patient. And it's two, two of them from a thousand years ago, the same lifetime. The same lifetime in my office. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? He says, but he has confidentiality. There's a hippo. He can't, he can't just go in and, and, you know, yeah, put the two together. So what he started doing, he started, he started putting their, 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 their sessions back to back. Maybe, maybe something would happen. So maybe they'll, they'll reconnect. And nothing doing. Like they completely walk past by each other in the hallway, like nothing's doing. And uh, a few months go by, and they completed the therapy. And he's like, "What can I do? You know, I tried whatever I can." He, he says, "You know, he was very strict on this. On uh, you know the the psychiatry, the regulations. He can't. He can't share the information." I know you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't disclose. So what what he did was, um, you know, uh, you know, afterwards he says they were both flying in that day out to different parts of the country. They ended the therapy the same day again because they were back to back, and they were both flying out to a different country. What he uh, one was flying to to. Um, to Boston, and one was flying to Newark, uh, to to New York, which was in Where Newark. Were they based out of California? I think California, uh, but I'm not sure. So he goes, and they both get to the airport separately. And um, this uh, Elizabeth, she goes in, and she finds out that her flights are canceled. 
And you tell her, listen, we can't get you to Boston directly, but if you want, we can route you via Newark and you can get that. So she's fine. She goes and she sits down next to in the area where, where you know, the flight to Newark leaves, which just so happens to be the same flight. <laughs> I know that what is, right? And uh, so he goes and uh, he sits down and there Pedro is, is seeing this woman there and she looks familiar and she's like, oh, she's from the same, same therapy. So he starts walking over to her and he, she sees a guy walking over to her. She's just like, oh, okay, some guy is going to start hitting on me. And, you know, she starts frowning at him. But then she realizes, she recognizes him from the, from the you know, from the therapy. So they sit down and they start talking. And, you know, they ended up starting to just taking a seat together near the plane and they ended up talking throughout the entire plane and they ended up getting a very close connection. They ended up getting a very, very close connection and then, oh, whatever, I don't know whatever happened afterwards. But the idea was is that, you know, there's two lives that were connected in a previous lifetime, came back again in this, in this lifetime, thousands of years apart. That was Miriam. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for the waiting for the killer, you know, for the zinger. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you that being that you asked, I wouldn't have said it otherwise. Um, being from the response I got last time, but they end up getting married. And they end up getting married, and then they have a child, and then because I said the story once, I, I reason why I cut that out. They were like, "Oh, that's disgusting! Who would do that?" I said, "Listen, it's souls. You don't understand. It's not. It's so. It's a more different situation. That's why I usually take that out of the." Uh, no, no. Usually, you do, there are some people that remember it, but most people do not remember. Yeah, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't, you know. Like no. Right. You don't. Yeah. Well, that's what. Right. Yeah. That's what. That. That's the idea. We'll speak over the next two weeks of Zadashem and the ideas and how to. You know how it works every and how Monday to. Now? Every Monday. Yeah. Every Monday now we're gonna we're gonna do. It. But the, but the idea is is that with the, I want to finish off with this. Yeah. I want to finish with this thought that you know. You know, reincarnation is a real is a real thing. According to the Torah, it's real. We know that. But now, even according to science, it's it's already getting you know proven. Like from these kasseri, you know, it, it it's a real thing. It, it's something that's not not that we need the proof again, but it's something that exists and it's something that it pays. And I find it so important to know this information because you get it answers so many of your life questions. It answers. It opens up an idea. So I think it doesn't. I think it just makes you want to ask more questions. No, if you, I I, I have the opposite. Well, come, you'll see. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, because it, it makes you ask questions. It what you don't understand, but it doesn't give you closure. No, it's not going to give you closure, but there's, it, what it gives you is it gives you, a, it's insight. like it's, it's a point. There's a point for me. Yeah. It gives you insight, not clarity. No, but it also gives you clarity. I think it gives you clarity because it, it, it gives you an idea like, okay, I'm here for a purpose, maybe because I messed up previously in this life, so then I know why I'm in this situation. People that suffer a lot, people that suffer a lot in life actually find closure in this and be like okay maybe I did something and this is a tikkun and this is and they find actual closure with it so so it, it's, it's a workshop I know in a sense class it's like a, it's like a yeah, yeah exactly workshop. yeah get close to your I'm actually quite interested in the, what you mentioned earlier um, and now that she is over with the yeah. in, what, in what aspect in the Ganadin? Ganadin, yeah because there's a famous Chassam um, Sofer uh, that says that um, sometimes Eliyonov comes down as an angel and sometimes it comes down as a human being and he says how is this possible so the Chassam Sofer says this, and understand this any way you want to. He says, there's a certain Olam Atachtam of Gan Eden, uh, where um, he has a body in stasis, and when he wants to come down in human form as a human being... He sort of cloaks it up. Yeah, yeah. Cloak, and you're yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I'll tell you like this: is there's stuff in the spiritual world that not you know, like I guess you could say in the mystical idea um, that's not really spoken out a lot about it, and and I find it so fascinating. There's so much information there that that it just makes so much sense. Even though at the beginning you hear it, it'd be like that's crazy, but the more that you learn about it, it'd be like, well, that actually so makes sense. Terrestrials and UFO sightings could strictly be malachim or, or or things from the other realm coming through. What do you say, UFOs? UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. It's very possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very. A malach and an alien look very similar. Who knows? Yeah. No, I mean, like. Oh, yeah. There's this whole thing on YouTube. They're showing angels flying in the air who actually videotape them. It's on Photoshop. Oh, really? They have, you know. What does an angel look like? They have stuff. No, but the thing is, it's just. You know, they have they have stuff on YouTube with the voices. You ever hear that? The shofar sounds throughout the entire world. There's there's you hear shofar sounds throughout the entire world. The entire um, and it's interesting. Sometimes you'll see like a ring of cloud. I don't again. That ring of clouds over Jerusalem that was recently passed away. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, you have? When I was in Jerusalem in night. Oh, really? The white ring of clouds in night. I, I still know. How do you explain that? So, no, that's not. But that's not um, aliens. That's just atmospheric the, conditions. It, it's right. Yeah. Extremely unusual. You know, there was there was there was something in China. I, I I think it was somewhere in Asia, and I don't know. Again, it's authenticity of it, but the, you see like a building. You see like like like. Structures in the sky, like there's clouds, yes, and you yes, see it looks like yes, like like buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it, is it Photoshop? Maybe. Is it is it possible? Yeah. Yeah, I saw the Sabatian River with the bubbling things. What do you see? There's no such. The entire world's been mapped. How is Sambayan? How yeah. I remember that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things. First of all, they did some explain. They did some explanation on that. I don't remember it off. No, no. They did some like like scientific explanation. There was something to do with. Uh, but I, again, I don't know. Who knows? People talk and people video and people Photoshop. So it's very hard. You know what it says? It's the boy who cried wolf. When we have so much fakers out there, who knows what's true? But the idea is, it should start worrying you because it's time. It's time for the you know Mashiach to come. It's time for it. It's, 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 it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely. According to Rambam, doesn't that mean what everybody learned in Shiva? No, Rambam, listen, Rambam means it says we're not just going to be subjugated under the nations. It means but, that, we're gonna, that, that, that one leader will unite Jews under one sovereignty and, 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 and it will con- reconquer Israel. So that's what the Rambam holds. Yeah, but there's going to be a base of Middash, there's going to be things that yes, are going to be. That where, heaven, yeah, yeah so, so, yeah, Rambam's very, very. Uh, but even according to the Rambam, you can't explain it that it would be mystical because there's two parts of Mashiach. The part, there's a first part. Yeah. There's two, yeah, there's two, there's, there's a first part, for example, the resurrections, there's also two resurrections also. There's two, there's Mason. He doesn't so much talk about, um, you see, people tie Mashiach to Tchiyas Mason in one thing, and, did, and according to the Ramadan, they're two separate No, and it can happen at two different times, and, it, and it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, I, the, I, I like the Rambam's view is we'll see it when we'll get there. You know, is it basically that idea? You know, which there's also the concept of, of going back to the way things were pre um, Chet. Yes. And, and taking all but that's that's also that's afterwards. That's not the Mashiach, yeah. No, it's you see the problem is is that there's taking all is Mashiach. Yeah. The, the the problem is is that there's so many ideas and people just know bits and pieces of it. I know. So I'm actually working on a whole thing to just try to clarify it and, and like systematically. And again, even when but we the have the jokey thing that no one really knows what Mashiach is. It's just there's this concept of, of Mashiach. No, we we know what we know the idea behind it, and in fact, the, the, it's very simple. The Mashiach is, you know, how you know it's a real Mashiach when everything that it says it's supposed to do, it's supposed to do. But there's no one, yeah, but there's except that's already happening. 
A lot of it. Has yeah, a lot of the a lot of the. Controls the sovereign state at the moment. No, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happened. There are a lot of. That's why they say it's coming soon because it has to be because a lot of these things are already. Holding. Yeah. yeah. All of the prophecies are already coming into. Yeah. Very, very possible with nuclear war. And, and, and yeah, especially according to Don Nagon. He says a 12-second war. Huh? With ISIS, right. Right, right. What? Yeah. The Gemara, what is Gemara? Sota says, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you could only if you find Obama also. It's possible, yeah. Listen. Yeah, Obama. They said also was I, the way that I do it is I always I, I I like to speak about Mashiach. I like the topic a lot, but I don't put dates in it. The reason why I don't say it specifically because let's say let's say you're wrong. It just it puts people into like okay, well that's it. if it's not it's like the boy who cried wolf. They, they, did not, they, they said, said that that was Mashiach. And he no, that was where in the Lubavitch people. Lubavitch. There, was, there was a large component of the Lubavitch leadership. Yeah, the Meshachis, so, no, this is pre-Meshachis. This is, this, is, this is not you. I don't know if you're, you're not that young. You remember what happened. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's I'm, a compliment. Not, like, I'm at least, I'm 35 and I remember what went down. I'm sure you're close to my age. What they did was they said he's Mashiach when he was technically incapable of, of saying otherwise he was between two strokes. No, it was uh, right before he was to have those strokes. He clearly no, yeah, said he was not. Oh, he said he was not? He was not, absolutely. He, he said absolutely he was, he was not. not. And they this were like Meshachis, 1991 something like too. that, but they were who refused to acknowledge the fact that he straight up said he was not. They, they still, I, yeah. I, I honestly do not remember him straight up saying he was not Mashiach. I think what he was doing is he was trying to... Yeah, I'm going to finish up over here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to close yeah. it. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.